Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With the fourth pick in the NFL Draft... The New York Jets select. There's Garrett Wilson. Flatten, absolutely laid out by George Karloftis. Evan Neal is just different. Intercepted, Kyle Hamilton in the end zone. Jets fans, this is time. Draft season is a buzz. Twitter's melting down because some people want to take a safety. Everyone's talking about positional value. Everyone's talking about trading for players. We are two months away from free agency, and I already cannot wait for this offseason to end because all these takes just make me want to scream. Joe, I know I know you told me you were tired. I had to get you psyched up for this pod. So tell me, are you ready to go for tonight? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get into it, Meeks. We'll see what happens. You know, I'm sure you're going to say something that makes me, you know, go from zero to 60 in about one second. So I think that we'll definitely experience some some heat, a little spiciness on the pod today. I will say that I'm pretty pumped that the Senior Bowl is coming up and we got the Combine. There's a lot of exciting stuff going on in draft season. So I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. And I hear you on all the crazy takes on Twitter and things of that nature. I kind of had the same sentiments earlier today when everybody was talking about safety, wide receiver, offensive line. I mean, there are people just all over the map, but that's part of, uh, you know, draft season. So let's see what happens. Yeah, that's one way to put it. James, I know you love a good positional value debate, so you just, you must be loving this. Yeah, I am. I'm super excited for, for this episode tonight. Dylan, how are you? I'm doing good, boys. Happy to be back. You know, week off last week, but excited to get into it with you guys, do these uh, dueling mocks, and I am ready. I'm fired up. I got the fighting gloves on today. I'm ready to stick up for uh, for the picks. Yeah, no, I forgot to mention that Dylan wasn't going to be on last week's episode, and what I call the Dylan Hive, I got like three DMs asking me where Dylan was, so he's back. He's okay, guys. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. <laughs> but we have a nice, a nice little idea tonight because a lot of people – I've been talking about building around Zach Wilson, make sure that franchise potential franchise quarterback is nurtured correctly. Other people are looking at the 31st ranked defense, say, oh, we need we need this, this, and this. We have so many needs on defense. Zach Wilson can't win every game, 40 to 31. So we decided to do two mock drafts with me and James and then Joe and Dylan about where me and James will go all offense in round one, all defense in round two. And Joe and Dylan will do the opposite. And we'll figure out which gets the Jets into a better place to be a better team in 2022. 
So, James, fire it up. Okay. Yeah, so this is, I think, a very good chance what the board's going to be looking like for the Jets. Hutchinson and Thibodeau go 1-2. You know, we'll see if the Jaguars stick with that edge. And then Derek Stingley's off the board. So, James, I mean, Mekhi Becton's a question mark. George Fant, good season, but it's, it's that's an outlier season for now. I think we got to go OT1. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. I mean, Kyle Hamilton, great player, but not a great player for our situation. And I'm really feeling Evan Neal at this point, you know, with, with both the edges and Stingley off the board. Yep. Evan Neal has history playing right guard, right tackle, and left tackle. Love a versatile chess piece. Evan Neal, easy money. And at pick 10, we go Garrett Wilson, the boy, the guy who basically I just want to watch play with Elijah Moore for decades on decades. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Garrett Wilson, super safe player. I think, you know, part of drafting a player high is how you see them in terms of their ability to translate to the NFL. And personally with Garrett Wilson, I think he's as surefire of a wide receiver prospect as you can get just with his overall athleticism and ability at the position. I could not agree more. And then we're looking at, I mean, Bob Sal is going to be banging down our doors. We only had another edge rusher. And I've been watching, the, I've been firing up Florida State tape. I'm a big fan of Jermaine Johnson. Really got to come to his own once he got out of Georgia. Really got to play like full snaps. What say you? Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's a former four-star recruit. And he spent some time in Juco after he was at uh, Georgia. But I think he's a great player, a lot of potential. Would love to see him in this one gap, just attack defensive line philosophy. So I'm on board. Perfect. Love to hear it. And now I think I feel like we got to go, got to look at the linebackers. I mean, he's a guy who I think is going to be polarizing. We really have to see how good he really is. If he plays like he did in the national championship game, Bob Sal is going to love him. If he plays like he did in the first part of the season, I don't really know. But I feel like Christian Harris might be too tantalizing to pass up. Yeah, I mean, if you look at what you want as like a just somebody who appreciates the position, Christian Harris has all the tools in the world. And I think he could be a really good player under Sala and Mike Runberg's tutelage with the Jets. So I'm on board. Yep, add another one to the solid tree of linebacking talent, and Christian Harris is good. So that's for me and James. Joe, I'll turn it over to you and Dylan. Let's see what your mock looks like. All right, so we're going defense here. Obviously, you guys took uh, the offensive role, and actually that was something that I was going to do, and then I figured people were going to get tired of me talking about an offensive lineman in the first round again. So I decided to go defense with this one with my guy Dylan, and I was hoping that Thibs were going to fall to us, but it doesn't look like he's on the board. Is he, James? No, he went number two to the Lions, which uh, makes a lot of sense. I actually think Hutch is going to go there, but that's all good. So listen, you know, I have to go defense here. I'm personally not for, you know, making this kind of selection, but I'm sure there are a bunch of our listeners out there who are definitely for this approach. And so I think he's the best player on the board when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. And I'm going to go Kyle Hamilton, man. I feel like when it comes to Kyle, I think there is a case that could be made for him. He is one of these guys who can definitely be that deep center fielder in a Salah defense. And when you look at Salah, I think that's one thing that's really missing from his defense where he could be a little more versatile, a little more, a little more multiple and kind of go back to his roots, which is really in that cover three. So 
listen, I know a lot of us talk about sideline to sideline type of prospects, guys who can really go from one end to the other. And the fact of the matter is when people say, oh, the safety is really great and this guy can go sideline to sideline, that's usually just a bunch of BS, right? There really isn't really anybody in the league like that at all. I mean, the last guys who are really like that are maybe Earl Thomas and Ed Reed, or maybe Justin Simmons a little bit, but not maybe not quite. Kyle Hamilton really is that kind of player. I mean, he could go from one hash to the opposite sideline. We've seen him do it, actually get a pick in that role. And again, we've seen him go from end to end. And I think that he'd actually be really good fit for this defense because he could play that role and multiple roles as well. I don't know if Dylan is 100% on board with this pick, but I do know that he did put Hamilton in one of his mocks and Meigsy went absolutely crazy on him for it. But I'm thinking that you're kind of feeling it too, Dylan. What do you think? I'm going to ride with my boy here, Joe. I, uh, I really am a big Kyle Hamilton guy. I've definitely been in the uh, Hamilton hive to uh, Meigs disarray for a while now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm a big Karlaftis guy. I've talked about him here at four in the past, but Hamilton's a special prospect, and I know that's a word that you guys hate and have mentioned many a times, gets so overused, but seriously, the guy's a freak athlete, and, you know, the first round safety taste in our mouths, which Maul Adams probably needs to get washed out, so I'm good with going Kyle Hamilton. I think he's a very different player than the player we got last time we went safety, so I'm all on board with this. All right. Awesome. Moving on to pick 10. Let's see who's on the board here. I mean, you're up, Dylan. What are you feeling, man? Um, so can I see? All right. So there's a guy I kind of had in mind here. And obviously, you know, this played out pretty similar to how expected either Hamilton or Kolafis would have probably been the fourth pick there. So I'm probably going to go a unique approach here that I don't know if there's a lot of mocks that have done yet where, you know, a lot of people are expecting edge and then maybe a defensive back in the first, but I think uh, I'm going to go Devin Lloyd here. I think if you look at a lot of the great four, three defenses, the past few years, you look at the 2017, 2018 Jaguars, Miles Jack and Telvin Smith. Then you look at the Legion of Boom defense with Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright. You have two good linebackers, two guys in the middle who can really do it all. And I think Devin Lloyd would be a great complimentary piece to CJ Mosley. And I'll talk about it a little more in a little bit. So I'm going to go Devin Lloyd. What are you thinking, Joe? I love it, man. I think Devin Lloyd is a really perfect fit for this defense. I feel like he's kind of in that same mold of a Fred Warner. Actually, I think he's fairly comparable to CJ Mosley as well. I'd love to see those two guys playing next to each other, Mosley and Lloyd, as our two linebackers in what is really mostly a 4-2-5 defense that Salah runs these days, I think would be absolutely lights out. I think he has kind of a really nice blend of like that thumper and that run and chase guy. And that's pretty much what Mosley is as well. These two guys who are interchangeable, who could fill gaps, go get downhill, put some pressure on the quarterback. You could play them at the line of the scrimmage. They could get, you know, mix it up with the guys on the defensive line and are just really two dynamic players. If we want to fix this linebacking core, um, Devin Lloyd would be, you know, a player that I would definitely get behind. I don't know if, do I love him with the 10th pick? I mean, I think it's a little rich for my blood, but I mean, the guy is just absolutely great. So, you know what, Dylan, let's do it, my man. All right. All right, so we're moving on to pick 35. And listen, there are a lot of players on the board here I see that I would like, would love to draft, actually. There's one in particular I think is absolutely absurd. I do not think he's going to be here. So I'm actually not going to take him. That is oh, Drake Joe, just London. do it. You know you want him. Do it. Taking Drake London. But is that really realistic, Meeks? I mean, he's coming off a broken ankle. We don't know how those medicals are going to check. Big injury for a big guy. Who knows if that's going to linger? We saw how Kenny Galladay came out this year. I think that stigma with big wide receivers is out there, and I wouldn't be surprised if it caused London to fall if he doesn't test. 
Well, I, I think the biggest stigma with the big wide receivers, especially guys like Drake London, is can they actually separate at the next level? That's the biggest question mark with these particular wide receivers. And Drake London most definitely can do that. He's very fluid for a guy his size. I mean, the guy can be used in the, as an extension in the wrong game. I think he's actually a perfect fit for this Jets offense and particularly Zach Wilson in that 50-50 capacity. So, all right, fine. He is on the board here. He's actually going to go offensive line with Zion Johnson. Maybe Dylan's going to take him next if he's still there. But if not, I think this is actually shaping out pretty good to go. Hamilton, then we got Lloyd, and let's put him up there, man. Drake London, my man. Let's do it. I'm ecstatic with that pick. You know, if there's anybody who loves Drake London as much as you, it's me. So, Absolutely, I will be on board in the London group to uh, add him to the Jets. So looking at the bunch on the board right now, um, Meigs or James, can you guys go to the offensive line? Can we go, yeah, interior? Um, uh, oh, Zion go Johnson's off the board already? Yeah, oh, wow. Zion Johnson's off the board. Can you go to tackle? See, I see a guy here who I'm pretty high on, maybe higher on than most going to butcher his last name here but you know joe i'm going to bring this up to you we'll have a little bit of a conversation about it before we make the pick because there's another guy here i know we're all high on as a pod and that's trey mcbride at tight end but you know daniel falelli i'm hoping Falele. i said that right he is a monster of a man he is pushing 400 pounds an absolute mammoth 380 6'8 beast offensive tackle Obviously, you know, the big body with Makai Becton has been a cause of concern a little bit and his durability. So I'm really going to bring this up to you, Joe. What do you think of him as maybe the option here and as another tackle? You know what? I don't love Fialele in a heavy, like, kind of outside zone system, like a wide zone system. I see him as on a team that's very pretty much a little more gap heavy. I honestly feel like he's going to get drafted by the Ravens potentially, maybe even the Steelers. I think that's actually a really good fit for him. So and I don't know if I want him coming in here and competing with Mekai Becton because I don't see him being able to transition at guard with how tall he is. I feel like he already has some issues with his pad level and the guys are going to definitely be able to get underneath him and kind of, I don't know if they'll be able to push him around, but they're definitely going to, you know, do some damage there in that capacity for, for Fialele. So I see him as really just an offensive tackle. And I, I'm not loving that so much right here, Dylan. Is there somebody else that you would rather pick up? I mean, Trey McBride seems like the easy answer. I know, but we have already mocked him in a, in a previous mock we did. So I guess that's kind of another reason why you're trying to stay away from him. But I mean, if we were going to go, you know, playmakers for Zach, um, I could definitely see that. But again, at the same time, listen, I think we saw this past weekend that just reminded that games are really won and lost in the trenches. When you watch that Cowboys versus 49ers game and adding another offensive lineman, particularly in interior offensive lineman, I think considering the way this particular uh, mock is shaping out would be smart. Who's available with the interior offensive line? Go back to that for me, Meeks. Maybe I could sell you on somebody here in the. Uh, you know, this, this is this is really honestly, this is pretty ugly as far as what's yeah. available in this particular selection. I, if I were you, I would try to sell me sell me. I don't know that even have to sell me on it, but I think I'd go McBride. You know, I think that's kind of the way I would lean here as well. A part of me now. Maybe it's just a little bias of the whole Rucker uh, father Randy went on. I've been a big Jeremy Rucker guy starting to come around on him. But the truth is, I think we all know Trey McBride is the top tight end in this class, second to or in the top two with my boy Kate on. So I'm good with Trey McBride here. You know, I think he's going to add another layer to that offense and give 
Zach Wilson, that security blanket that you've seen guys like Lamar Jackson thrive with a guy over the middle who can really accommodate to Wilson's flaws and Wilson's inadequacies. So I really like the McBride pick there. And I think my thing with Valeli is if we didn't have Makai, I think he would be a little more of a consideration for me because he is so athletic for his size. But I think that there is going to be a big thing, and it's something that I've wrote about in the past, that I think Joe's going to really learn from his mistakes in the regard that I think he'd lean more athletic with an offensive tackle prospect, especially because of the scheme, like you mentioned, rather than going another big, heavy, thumper dude. And I think Falelli, although I like him, definitely wouldn't be the smartest choice there, but tried to change it up a little bit. But ultimately, if Trey McBride's there, I think it's the choice we would all make at that pick. I really don't have much else to say about McBride. He's an absolute beast. Perfect fit for this offense. Zach's going to love him. Young quarterback's best friend is a tight end. This team needs one. And McBride, that's my tight end one as well. Absolutely love the guy. But yes, Fialele, I mean, he would be cool if this was more of a gap every team. I feel like he's not even going to be on the Jets' board, to be honest with you. That's just how I feel. Yeah, no, I think you guys had a nice mock. James, I think it's only fair that we grade their work, they grade our work, and then we'll let the listeners decide who came out with the best mock. So let's start with Kyle Hamilton at four. I mean, Kyle Hamilton, I'm kind of getting lost in the discourse because like the whole safety at four debate is one thing. Like Kyle Hamilton's a very good football player. I don't think he's a generational safety. I don't think he's Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas mixed together like some people talk about. I also don't even know if he's as elite as an athlete as people are saying. So I think Kyle Hamilton's a first round player. I have zero issues taking him in the top 15 of a draft. I just think four is a little healthy for me. And I'm kind of sh- one because people call him a day one starter. I don't know what position he plays day one because of how versatile he is. I think the most disconcerting part of if the Jets were to pick Kyle Hamilton is just that how do you justify trading in, in a safety who was an all pro two consecutive years for two first round picks and then use one of those first round picks in order to take another highly touted safety? I just think there's a level of like philosophical inconsistency there that would just be pretty troubling for me, besides the fact that I don't think he's worth the fourth overall pick in general. So I feel like it's just kind of unfair to Hamilton to compare him to Jamal Adams. There's such Two very different safeties. I mean, Jamal Adams couldn't sniff his jockstrap when it comes to coverage. He's just not even in the same stratosphere as Kyle Hamilton is. And I really feel like Kyle Hamilton, if you want to know, is really kind of that legitimate center fielder. And I talked about it. There really isn't somebody who could go sideline to sideline. Like he's shown already on film. And I feel like, I don't know if he's generational, but he's probably going to be one of the only players in the NFL who can actually do that. And that's not being, that's not, hyperbolic or anything that's just that's just a legitimate take I mean you've seen him do it on the field and as far as like his positioning I do see him playing mostly that role but this is a guy who could play in the box safety he could cover slots he could cover tight ends he could uh come down hill and help out in the run game he could even if you choose to you could even use him as a weak side linebacker and have two other safeties on the back end I mean he could do so many things that's why like I'm, I'm not for taking Hamilton like truthfully, you guys already know that in the top 10, but I feel like the case that's being made for him is, is fairly sound. When you look at all the things that he could do and what he could do for a Robert Sala defense, like he is rooted in a cover three and he can't really do what it is that he wants to do because he doesn't have really the players that fit his scheme perfectly. And there really aren't a lot of players in the NFL that actually fit that particular world. Just like, just like I said, I mean, Ashton Davis is not like somebody you really want to trust in a, in a single high role. Um, he has good range, but he doesn't have Kyle Hamilton range. In fact, not many people do. 
So taking him here, yes, I get it. I'm with you. I'm going in a different direction. But if for some reason the Jets did do it, I feel like there is justification there. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, I think your biggest point that I wholeheartedly agree with is that I we probably have one hand for the guys who can play true single high safety in the NFL currently. And as we know, it's the defenses, they trend. Like everyone's talking about the cover two, all the split safeties. It's going to come back around. It always does. All these things cycle out. And, exactly. you know, and I get the case for Hamilton. I think a lot of people have made this point that we are just not in the position where we can take the luxury that is Kyle Hamilton, because I think he is a luxury at this point, but we'll move on to Devin Lloyd, a player I love and top 10 is a little rich, but Devin Lloyd, Robert Sala coverage linebacker. We know there's a certain linebacker who uh, went to Brigham Young university that Robert Sala took in 2018, who is a hell of a ball player. And if he thinks Devin Lloyd is going to be that version of him, I'm not knocking him because I think Devin Lloyd's great in coverage. I think Devin Lloyd moves great in space. I think he's the best linebacker in this draft. And if they're going to take him at 10, I can talk myself into it. James, you're probably going to disagree with that, but go for it. Yeah, I mean, as you know, I'm a big Nicobe Dean guy. But even though I really like him, I, I wouldn't argue that the NFL likes him more than, than Lloyd. I think if you look at how the NFL tends to evaluate players, Lloyd is more prototypical in terms of height and weight. And for a lot of NFL teams, that matters a great deal. Um, what I will say is I generally like the idea of the Jets developing a later pick at linebacker as opposed to taking one in the first round, um, especially when you consider, you know, this is a coach who came up based on his ability to develop linebacker talent. I think it just makes a lot more sense to get somebody who has, you know, probably 90, 95% of the athletic traits, if not more. I mean, I think you could argue a lot of these round two linebackers are more or similarly athletic, some of the round one guys, but just get one of those guys, bring them in and develop them over time. So that those are my thoughts. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. I think, you know, that's going to ask a lot of the staff. Um, I would just hope that if they're going to want to develop a linebacker, please take someone who played linebacker in college and don't try to make a safety into one. So now we move on to Drake London. I feel like the thing that's this is just going unnoticed is that James, who did not like Drake London when we spoke about him, now I think likes Drake London the most. So getting him at pick 35, James, I know you're going to love that value. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.
You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't take credit for the most. I definitely don't want to take that away from either Joe or Dylan, but I think Drake London's a really good fit. Um, I also think it's going to be interesting over the next few months seeing George Pickens in comparison with Drake London, two people who project for a lot of teams to be the prototypical, prototypical X receiver. Um, different in terms of skill set, very different in terms of, I think, how they would look in this offense. But I think it's going to be one of the most interesting conversations we see because, you know, Pickens is a very impressive player. I think you could argue that before this season, Pickens was on a much higher trajectory as a prospect than London was. Um, and obviously things changed with his injury. But I think um, London in the second round is a great pick regardless. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think Drake, I think what's the club in the discourse that I think a lot of people have been saying is that this wide receiver class is a lot of people who are in similar tiers, but they all have a lot of different play styles. And I think it's really just become what flavor you prefer. And I've Joe's made the case for Drake London's fit in this offense. It'd be nice to have a wide receiver who actually knows how to win a 50 50 ball. And, you know, he's when he has the ball in his hand, he's a fluid mover. You think that he can work up to even getting more separation to be a consistent winner in the NFL. And he's still a very, very young guy. I think he turns, I don't think he turns 21 until March. So he might not be, he's not even fully developed physically yet. So that's another great pick, but Trey McBride, I need to talk about Trey McBride, who I, who I love me and Joe have bonded over our love for Trey McBride, but I've been seeing some Trey McBride takes out there that I need, we need to pump, we need to pump the brakes on this. Trey McBride's a great football player. I hope the Jets take him in round two. Trey McBride, who is a, I don't think is going to project as a top five tight end in the NFL one day. This isn't Travis Kelsey. This isn't George Kittle. Heck, I don't even know if he's going to be Mark Andrews. He's a good player. I think I see him a lot like Hunter Henry, where he can be a consistent 800-yard guy in the right offense. He blocks his ass off, and he catches footballs. He doesn't drive those drops that Tyler Croft makes. He's going to be a good red zone weapon. I think he'd be a high touchdown guy, and that's great. We don't have to act like Trey McBride is better for Zach Wilson than any wide receiver in this class because if that was the case, Trey McBride would not be available in the second round. James, you can follow that up if you want. No, I sense Joe and Dylan uh, want to get in here. I kind of want to toss it to them. I think we're going to go back to the whole Drake London versus uh, Pickens debate. I feel like the biggest factor that separates those two guys is that London is really just dynamic with the ball in his hands. He's got that yak. He can do damage, you know, after the catch. He's, uh, his yards after catch are special for somebody who's as big as he is, and he's incredibly difficult to take down. And I think the only reason why maybe Pickens was projected to go maybe a little higher before his injury was that London was kind of used exclusively in the slot. You know, so people didn't really have a good idea of how he would look from the outside. And he came and he answered all of that this year. I mean, he was extremely prolific. I mean, there was, I mean, his entire offense was just like funneled through him. So, I mean, if those two guys are in the second round and Joe Douglas is deliberating which one of those two guys to take and he took Pickens over London, we should give them this pink slip right now because that would just be absurd.
I mean, Drake London is a beast. I don't even, honestly, I wasn't even going to pick him for this mock because I don't think he is going to go in the second round. Like I understand what Meigs is saying. And I think we're all trying to talk ourselves into it because he does have that injury, but he's a first round receiver for me. In fact, I think he's going he's to be, end up being wide receiver one for me. I keep wrestling between him and Garrett Wilson. And the only thing that's stopping me from putting him ahead of Wilson is because of that injury. And I don't know if that's really fair to Drake London, because I think it is something that he can heal from and he's going to come back just as strong as ever. So, I mean, Dylan, what do you, what do you think about their critique of our mock? Yeah. So I've stayed a little quiet here and there's a couple of things I want to say. And the first is I actually kind of agree with you guys on the whole Hamilton thing. And it's more about how we did it is the Hamilton Lloyd thing. I think a lot of fans would probably disagree with that because of the ability that Hamilton has to play weak side linebacker and his sideline to sideline range. And a lot of what he brings to the table, I think would render adding Lloyd and Hamilton kind of mute in a way, because yes, it would be a huge addition to the defense. But I think at that point, getting an edge and getting Devin Lloyd or getting an edge and getting Kyle Hamilton, if you're going to double dip on defense in the first would be a little more justifiable in that respect, because it's not necessarily adding. I think edge is a much, this is my positional value take. And I think this is something at least one of you would agree on is that edge is a lot more valuable than linebacker or a safety in this defense. And I've also been a big proponent of, secondary in the later rounds and solid developing a secondary piece as well and adding a couple more day three guys and maybe a day two guy so I I really like Kyle Hamilton and I also love Devin Lloyd I think he is kind of like a Fred Warner type and can develop so one or the other I'd be happy with but in the Drake London Pickens debate I side with you Joe I don't think it is a debate I think that George Pickens is not someone I would have ahead of a couple of the guys we've debated in the past, like David Bell, like Jahan Dotson, like Chris Olave, and this whole notion that Pickens is above some of them really doesn't sit right with me because of his injury, because of some other stuff. I don't like Pickens' value as much to do different things. So if I agree with you, if that happens, I'd pretty much be out on the Joe Douglas bandwagon. And then the tight end debate, I'm making a couple hot takes here. I like Trey McBride, but I agree with you, Meigs. This whole notion that Trey McBride over anybody else is kind of just blinded by this whole newfound love a lot of the Jets fan base has for Trey McBride. And truthfully, I think McBride's a very good player, and you guys have heard me rattle on about on. But even going down to some of the other guys, like Jake Ferguson, Jeremy Rucker, and even a guy I'm not high on whatsoever in Jalen Weidermeyer, some of these guys who are probably going to be available in the third might pique my interest a little more just because of what we could add with that second rounder. So some of our picks, I kind of disagree with your guys' grades on, but I also kind of agree with that I wouldn't have probably done the same thing if I were in Joe Douglas' shoes, and I also don't necessarily see him doing the same thing. And James, you look like you're going to jump out of your chair. So No, I just it. want to say, so going back to the Pickens thing, but Dylan, did you see him suplex Kobe Bryant in the bowl game last year? That's the real question. I did. And I also saw him get ejected from a game. And I've also seen him not be able to channel his aggression the proper way at times. What do you mean? Okay. So, so, okay. Wait, for those who don't know what the reference was, basically they played Cincinnati in the bowl game last year. He runs like some skinny post in the end zone. Kobe Bryant, this cornerback jumps it, picks the ball off. Pickens basically like takes one step towards him, comes in with a massive punch, forces a fumble in the end zone. Instead of going for the fumble like a normal human being and trying to recover it for his team, he picks up the cornerback who picked the ball off and literally like destroys him into the ground. 
And it's like, I, I, just, I don't know. I watch Pickens and I get kind of conflicted, but I do think that there's like something kind of special there in terms of the athletic ability and physicality um, that. That's really- not special. That's anger issues. The dude should be in the WWE, not in the NFL. That's exactly what I was going to say. Are we picking like football players or guys who are going to be on our wrestling team? Like, what, what are we doing right here? <laughs> I mean, it's because he body slams some guy in the end zone. I think that's a reason why Joe Douglas in particular probably wouldn't draft him. I think Joe Douglas would be like, that guy, uh, not so much. You know Meg, what I mean? Help me out here. Help me out here, Migs. Oh, dude, I'm completely not on your side. I do not understand. Like, I thought Dan was crazy with George Pickens is still his wide receiver one take. And now you're just like, I don't like George Pickens. Like he made that one cool catch in the national championship game. And like George Pickens, like everyone loves the idea of George Pickens. No one loves the player that actually is George Pickens because the player that actually is George Pickens hasn't had a full season where he put it together and be the dominant wide receiver. We all want him to be. Like, I feel like the guy who's getting slept on in this regard is Justin Ross. Because I saw Justin Ross actually dominate a season of college football as a freshman. Buddy. Oh, come on, Meeks. We're going to go into Justin Ross. We're talking about the top of the second round. I know. I, I, I'm comparing these two players. I wouldn't take either of these guys. Bro. The top of the okay. Round. Hold, on, hold on a second. Hold on a second, James. First of all, you were you came in and you told me you are now part of the Drake London hive. I, I, I and said now you're deliberating whether or not you want Drake London or George Pickens? It's, what is going on here? Yeah. You know what? This is just this is just like the last mock we did. You guys wanted to come in here, get funny, <laughs> ruin the mock, ruin the plot, and this is exactly what's happening again. All right. Let's let's move on from this because it's clearly, 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 unequivocally Drake London over George Pickens. Can we yeah. can agree? Okay. Yes. All right. So what, 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 what agree, would you, agree to disagree for the moment, you know? For the moment, fine. <laughs> what would you give this particular? What are you grading this? Uh this, Letter this, grade. this is a solid B. Solid B. What about you, James? Um, I would say like uh, B minus. B minus. All right. Well, I I think that's actually fair considering you hate Kyle Hamilton. I mean, just the, the stain for him is palpable. We could feel it through the screen. But uh, going on to your guys' mocks, right? You went offense first, and I I'm gonna critique the first pick, and I absolutely love it, Evan Neal. I think people who are you know followers of this podcast and listen to us frequently know that that's a pick that I would definitely make. There's not really much I have to say about that, except I think that this line, again, if you want to reference, um, just that football is one of the trenches. And this team still needs to secure that spot. You could put Neil at the Stornomatic Guard. And like you said, Meigs, we don't know if this uh, Fant, if this was an outlier, what's going to happen with Becton. And you could always potentially be your future tackle after this year if it's not at the guard position. Dylan, do you want to touch on this? I know you pretty much love Neil as well. Yeah, I think you and I are in the same boat. I think all four of us are in the same boat in that, I mean, if Neil's there, I think it's going to be hard to talk a lot of people, especially Joe Douglas, out of this pick. I think Evan Neal is a home run ad. And although we've used the first rounder on ABT and Makai Becton, I mean, you can't go wrong with continuing to double down in the trenches. So obviously, I mean, I'm very much on the Evan Neal train. Yeah, so going to Garrett Wilson, I don't think there's much to say about this either. We all love Garrett Wilson. For the most part, he is our wide receiver one. So taking him there at 10 is not egregious at all. I'm actually for it, especially if you get the offensive lineman first. I know people are talking about the Bengals method and take the uh, wide receiver before the offensive lineman. Well, in this case, we took we got the offensive lineman and we got the wide receiver. And I think you're setting up Zach for success. And I think that that's ultimately what we want to do, um, whether it's in free agency or the draft. That is the main goal. Moving on to the second round, which your first pick, uh, I think it was you, Meeks, who picked Jermaine Johnson. 
Yes. Dude, I love Jermaine Johnson. I think that is a really solid pick. And when you look at some of the edge players just in the NFL right now, and you look at, say, total pressures and the guys who are actually putting penetration or getting penetration on the quarterback, half of these guys weren't even drafted in the first round. I mean, you look at Max Crosby, the guy who led the league in total pressures this year, um, was, I believe, a fourth or fifth round draft pick. And then even last year, you look at guys like Shaquille Barrett, who is an undrafted free agent. And um, even Carl Lawson, another guy last year who was up there in pressures as well, or Trey Hendrickson, who was this year turned into a, a big time beast and somebody who I told you guys that the Jets should target, but you all said, no, we like Carl. I like Carl too, but clearly Trey Hendrickson was a good pickup and probably would have potentially even been a better fit for the Jets, especially since he is healthy. The thing I really love about Jermaine when I was watching him is that at first I did not like him all that much, you know, but as I kept watching him, he really started to grow on me. He is from a technical standpoint, really sound. He has a good way of matching up his hands and his feet. The way he sinks his hands, feet, the combination is really, it's kind of like advanced level stuff. Like this guy actually has a pass rush plan. Not something you could say for a lot of guys in this draft. So, I mean, you get him in the second round. I think, again, he is one of those guys who can potentially be a double digit sack guy. I feel like he could come in and compete at starting weak side edge right away. I, I think Carl Lawson will have the edge. Of course, we don't know, you know, how is how he's healed from his injury? I'm hoping he's doing well. When you see what Cam Akers looked like the other day, you know, on Monday Night Football, dude, that made me feel a lot better about what's going on with Carl Lawson. I'll tell you that right now. So I like him. Worst case scenario, one of these guys is like the pass rushing specialist on clear passing downs and big fan of that pick, Meeks. So I actually gave that particular pick, not the whole mock, but that pick an A. What do you think, Dylan? You know, I kind of echo that sentiment. I definitely think I, I went in a little deeper on this when we did the um, the initial round of articles that came out for draft season. And I talked a lot about Jermaine Johnson because I hadn't watched a ton of him and I've heard you guys bring him up. And then I really did a deep dive into him and his productivity and his consistency and his technique. And I really found that this is a guy I really like, especially based on where he's probably going to get drafted. I see a route where he impresses a lot of people and could even maybe sneak into that 32, 33 or late first range, because this is a guy who is so technically sound like you hit on Joe and really does have that ability to be a guy who has a plan, has that different mold of a guy like the Odafe Owe or the David Ojabo who are just more natural freak athletes. And I think that this is a guy that I'm not surprised that we agree on and that really some oh, most of us agree on in that I think we lead more of the technical sound guys and I would definitely be on board with this pick over the Ojabo in this case. Obviously, if Ojabo was there, it's Ojabo, but over the Ojabo types with the freak athletes where you have a guy who would be able to be a consistent sack producer because sometimes it's better to go with the projects and sometimes it's better to go with the safe bet. And I think Jermaine Johnson's a technically sound safe bet who could definitely make an impact and would be a home run. So I really like this pick by you guys. Yeah, I think he also has a really good nose for the ball when it comes to the run game. So I think yeah. he's kind of like an all-around really good player. And I agree with you, Dylan. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually won in the first round. So I'm moving on to your guys' next pick, Christian Harris. There's kind of like a, a love-hate relationship there with me and Christian Harris. I mean, I feel like coming into the season, I had him as, as a first-round talent, a first-round pick. But he seemed like he just kind of like was asleep at the wheel for most of the year. I mean, like, I'm just being honest. Like, he didn't really show up big in games. He, he was lacking in coverage. I mean, I think he was actually a liability in coverage much of, the much of the time. But then here comes the national championship in a big-time moment, and all of a sudden, like, the lights come on, and the dude plays, well, lights out, right? And now people are starting to talk about him again. Like, is he the guy who we saw most of the year, or is he the guy we saw in the national championship? I mean, maybe it is the latter. 
if it is the latter, well, then this is a pretty good pick here in the second round. I think it could be a potential steal. I think that he could potentially be a running mate for CJ Mosley, you know, and he is a little bit more of that thumper going to fill the gaps. And I think people think he can maybe run and chase cover, you know, blow up a screen and things of that nature. But I think he is more of this kind of a downhill guy, you know, put him at the line of scrimmage, blitz him a little bit. And obviously you're going to have to drop him in coverage as well. But I think he is almost just as much of a liability there as Quincy Williams is, even though I think we've had opposing views on him where people actually think he's good in coverage. I think Dan actually mentioned that. I think that, that Dylan, were you one? No, maybe not. Hell no. Don't, I don't Dylan hates Christian Harris. I think he's going to get to see because we took Christian him in a second. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, it's hot and cold with me and him. I, I, he is a bit of an enigma, but I don't hate the pick. I just also don't love it. I'll go back to the whole Devin Lloyd thing that James was talking about. And that if we have Salah here and they're playing mostly a four, two, five, and he was this linebacker coach. I would rather them target linebacker in general later. I was okay with Dylan taking Lloyd because I absolutely love Lloyd and I could make an exception for that particular player. But in general, I would love to them to target a player later, just like they got Fred Warner in the third round, right? I think they got Dre Greenlaw in the fifth round. Like the things that Salah was able to do with those particular players, I'd like to see him do with somebody else in the draft or even somebody who's already on the roster, like Quincy Williams. Maybe Quincy is going to get better. He has a lot of let me say bad moments, right? Where he's not filling the gaps appropriately, where he's not covering the way we would like him to, right? But let's see how he develops. Let's target a later round guy. But if you guys, you know, wanted to take Christian Harris here, I'm not going to complain. And I will, it will be reflected though, how I feel about it in the overall grade. I mean, Dylan, let me have it. What are you feeling about Harris? So you mentioned the whole like lights on, he showed it up, but for most of the season, it was lights on nobody home for Christian Harris. I really don't know where he went because this is a guy who was heavily talked about, was a guy who I was high on prior to the season. And then it just looked like he forgot how to cover the season. And I think, I don't really know who can make the case that he was very good in coverage because I thought he was a downright liability. And I think I would lean more towards a later round swing at that point or a guy like a second round, late second round or early third round or like a Brandon Smith or one of these more athletic guys like a Mooma or really just addressing it in free agency at that point or leaving Quincy Williams. Because if you just want the straight up thumper, I really don't want to use a 38th pick on that because that's what I think Christian Harris translates to at the next level. I think you've seen him show up in these big games before, but the truth is when are we going to be playing those big games? Who knows? And if he's only going to show up in the playoffs, which who knows when we're going to make those, why are we going to get him? So if I'm being honest, no, I'm really not high on Christian Harris because I feel like he doesn't have the same motor that a lot of these other guys have and the same energy and passion. So, yeah, I'm just really not high on Christian Harris, but that's my own personal views on him. And as how I think he projects as a coverage linebacker in a league where having a really talented coverage linebacker, at least one of the two is going to be so necessary. So, yeah, I'm not really sold on Christian Harris. I think overall you guys did a really great job on this mock, though. Neil with the first pick, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, me with the uh, first pick in the second round. For me personally, I'm, I'm going to give you guys a, a solid B plus, you know, potentially even A minus grade on this thing. It would be an A if you went in a different direction over Christian Harris. But uh, I think overall, I think you guys did a really solid job. And when it comes to, I guess, comparing these two mocks, it's for me personally, I, I did like, even though I love Drake London in the second round, I just don't think he's going to be there. I, I feel like going the offensive route, is one that I prefer, especially because in Dylan and I's mock, we didn't get the offensive lineman. 
you know, or an offensive lineman at all in the first two rounds. And I feel like that's going to be a huge liability for Zach and a huge liability for this offense going forward. I mean, you got to secure those trenches as Dylan, Dylan and I both said, I mean, what are you guys doing? You guys both have your heads down. You know, James is over there, like typing something. Uh, he's tweeting something right now. Me, <laughs> Yeah. James is, James is tweeting that like shock to no one. Our mock draft was better. Even Joe admitted it. And you know, that's just kind of how things yeah. are on this podcast. I mean, it was, listen, you know, I think considering we are all more on board with addressing offense, it's not shocking that your mock was better, Michael. Well, Joe, you you had your chance to pick which mock you wanted. So, you know, no, I did. You know, it's all good. I think we did a pretty good job. I think it's, you know, we presented two different scenarios for the listeners and, and they could kind of decide which ones they like the best. I know I'm happy that we pick Kyle Hamilton in a mock. I don't think it's ever going to happen again. And I, I know there's definitely people who listen to the show who want to see, you know, what a mock would potentially look like with him in it. I think we did it justice, you know, especially again, I don't want to keep, you know, mentioning this part, but Drake London in the second round is absurd. I mean, like that was absolutely ridiculous. I love that if that happens, that is a five out of five eggplant experience for sure. I mean, somebody's <laughs> definitely getting pregnant that night, probably Robert Salad. He's probably going to be child number eight on the way and, you know, a little closer to fielding a full football team. <laughs> he's trying to be, he's just trying to be Phil Rivers. All righty, guys. This was a fun mock. I think we all had fun. I think the Jets got better in both of these scenarios. Um, and I know we, KT and Aiden Hutchinson didn't fall. But guys, besides Bradley and I, so like, do we even need those guys? I don't know. I don't know. But it was another great week uh, talking to you guys. We'll be back next week. Please make sure you're sub to Badlands. I know they'll be crunching out content in the offseason like no tomorrow. Make sure you subscribe to the TOJ pod. Make sure you're reading our draft season articles because James is going to make us write them until our, you know, our fingers bleed. So see you guys next week.